0: Earlier today, the Times columnist Melanie Phillips remarked that Red Wall voters were more conservative than the Conservative Party. I think that's pretty accurate, to be quite honest with you.
1: You're watching Deprogrammed. My name is Harrison Pitt. I'm a writer for the European Conservative, and I'm thrilled to be joined today, as ever, by Evan Riggs, who is a freelance journalist, and our special guest this week, Darren Grimes, a GB News presenter now uh, Darren uh, many people I suspect at the moment feel let down by the Conservative Party but your recent speech at NatCon which our viewers will have just seen uh, in, in the promo um, suggests that the red wall voters in particular feel especially betrayed why is that in your opinion
0: I think fundamentally that the red wall voters are more conservative than the Conservative Party I think that's the, the be-all and end-all uh, I think the 2019 coalition, you know, built between those who feared Jeremy Corbyn in the south, and mm. then of course were with gusto accepting a pro-nation conservatism mm. in my part of the world mm. were absolutely delighted to support Boris Johnson mm. and I just feel that had Boris Johnson not got sucked into this vacuum of dare I say carrie politics mm-hmm. and by that I mean the sort of net zero the okay. leading heart, almost liberalism and I realise I've been controversial from the off there but <laughs> I think he went off, he went totally off course, veered massively off course and I feel quite angry about this if I'm mm. brutally honest I feel angry about the uh, squander of the golden opportunity that laid before the Conservative party they had a chance, in my view, to be in power for another 10 years mm. with Boris at the helm and putting forward a incredibly I think exciting perspectives that actually would allow people to feel that they've got agency in the debate for the first time because if you ask me for my entire lifetime I'm 29 now there have been two options at the ballot box right and it's if you ask me two cheeks of the same behind Mm. which is two forms of liberalism one more at ease with market liberalisation than the other, and that's your lot. That's what you get to vote for. Suddenly, because of Brexit, it opened up this chasm in politics where millions of first-time voters, people who'd just never voted at the ballot box before, said, right, here's my chance to enact genuine change. They did that, and then they followed through in 2019 to get Brexit done. But since then, I'm, I'm, I'm totally ashamed to say, because I campaigned, For boris in Mm. 2019 that that promise has been totally reneged upon
2: Hmm. do you not think in a way though that could be a a blessing in disguise because if there was another 10 years of the tories it would have basically been business as usual and now that they've kind of been exposed the band-aid can be ripped off and something kind of new can can
0: hopefully come out of it I think the best thing that could happen right now and by the way I say this as a member of the Conservative Party they're probably gonna rescind that pretty quickly (laughs) but I think the best thing that could happen now would would be for Labour to win a minority government the Lib Dems say well Mr Starmer, Sir Keir sorry not Mm, Mr mm. Very important I think actually you have to give us electoral reform or we're not gonna support you at all and then that way, the Conservative party, even the Labour party I imagine, would split hmm. and then we would get more choice at the ballot box I am th- i flip-flopped on this position, I'll be brutally honest, i flip-flopped on saying we need electoral reform in Britain because I'm someone that actually quite likes stability uh, but I'm afraid to say that I don't think there's any evidence that stability is offering people a genuine choice sure. You know, it's two shades of liberalism essentially as I just say so I want people to I I get really worried about people like my family people in the Northeast people in other parts of the country you know you've got people out of work in Blackpool you've got people out of work in Darlington we don't focus on those people instead we just say well we can't talk about X because Y in Westminster will be upset about that Mm. we can't upset we you know anyone from these interest groups too much. And I just say, to hell with it. I mean, in my speech, actually, I said, and this wasn't actually in the and so I went a little bit off piece. but I said, how many times have you heard something can't be done because we need to have a seat at the table? Now, I hear that time and again, whether it be the United Nations, whether it be uh, the European Court of Human Rights, we hear that time and again, and I say, sod the table, I've had enough of talking about the table I would actually quite like to talk about the interests of people around dining tables in Darlington mm. not the dining tables of Davos mm. So,
1: How do you explain the fact that many of the Red Wall voters seem to be returning to Labour? I mean if they were so disenchanted with our political system why would that be? I mean I personally can't imagine that they're particularly uh, enthusiastic about a Keir Starmer Premiership given that Keir Starmer only two years ago was campaigning to reverse the the, the Brexit referendum result that they'd so um, you know eagerly awaited uh, for but why do, wh- how do you explain that sudden re- revert back to normality like surely you'd expect more people to be disaffected or or maybe you know lining up with the Reform Party or with the SDP or with Reclaim w- why are they going back to Labour? In your well opinion?
0: actually in the local elections we had some of the some of the uh, turnout which was 19% True. In certain mm. parts of the world, mm. now that to me doesn't suggest a clamouring for, mm. you know, the Labour Party yeah. or Sukhdev Sharma's uh, perspectives. That perspectives, mm. they, it actually says to me that people are looking at the Reform Party, and I've got many friends that are a Reform Party. So don't cancel <laughs> me for saying this. Looking at the Reform Party and saying, I'm not ready to give you my vote. But they're also looking at the Conservative Party and saying I'm absolutely not willing to give you my vote Mm -hmm. because you've let me down so they're just choosing not to vote at all Mm. I don't think there's this clamouring for secure. Mm. I just think that there is a real sense of well it's a widespread apathy I would say where people expected certain things that haven't been delivered now you could argue look that was a pandemic lockdown had to happen we can have disagreements on that, I certainly think that it wasn't proportionate at all
1: mm-hmm. uh, and and it, was, and it was entirely experimental as uh, well yeah, yeah.
0: totally um, I'm not confident it won't happen again either so you know they can blame that all they want mm. but ultimately I think they got too obsessed with as I say these issues like net zero mm-hmm. which in my view will immiserate sure. the working class you know it, and I think it's a mistake by the way for His Majesty the King to align himself with a movement that's gonna make the working-class people of this country both colder and poorer I mean there was a lass in Greater Manchester I say lass she was 87 god bless her uh, she died of hypothermia last year because she was too and this is you know there was a, an inquest into her death sure her family said she was too afraid to put the heating on we begged her to put the heating on hmm. And she said, "I'm too afraid to do so." And she ended up dying of hypothermia. Mm. I think, actually, to align yourself with a movement that is pushing that kind of politics is uniquely dangerous for an unelected head of state. I'm a massive monarchist, so it pains me to say that. But I think it's it, he, it's a perilous journey mm. to put the monarch
1: on actually. Mm. I, th- I think Charles is in the main <coughs> well-meaning but he, he, he often unwittingly acts as, well, a, I mean, as a vessel for, for some quite ridiculous causes, the road causes. to hell it was paved with, with good intentions, with, with with right? Good, with good intentions for sure. Um, uh, do you really think that it's on, I'm sure you don't, but is it, do you really think that it's on net zero on that issue that people in the, in the red no. wall votes for most, surely it's immigration isn't it?
0: Yes, absolutely yeah. but I, I do think though the net zero issue mm. will become more prominent uh, as the years go on. Okay we start to creep closer to that net zero by 2050 target Mm. I mean by 2030 we're supposed to have banned petrol and diesel cars Mm. you've got in uh, we hear a lot about you Les and and, uh, Peter Whittle of course does great work on calling out that and it's a shame actually we don't have more of his type actually in the in Westminster uh, well in the London Assembly as well calling out Mr. Khan which he did a great job of doing he did yes but I we don't talk about the fact that there are clean air zones in Newcastle for example Mm. now they're talking about the expansion of these clean air zones these clean air zones don't come about on their own Mm. it's actually because of government legislation where they've got targets that they've got to meet where they say right well the only way to do this is enact some legislation that primarily impacts white, you know, the white man van white van man even and taxi drivers, heavy Mm. goods, vehicles now they're working people they're the kind of working people that we've seen being stopped on the streets of London by these just spoiled brats sorry, just stop oil and arrested Mm. handcuffed Mm. for saying I wanna get to work actually The the
2: police suddenly take an interest
1: in law law and order when
0: citizens start
2: enforcing it themselves I mean it's it's incredible to think that working class people would put up with that for for any amount of time i mean the people that are stopping the roads too are they're all like pensioners they're all blue hairs <laughs> and, and i mean then you have like 20 year old guys who are just trying to like get by I, I can't imagine that there will be a continued uh acceptance of these of these kind of policies and, and it's interesting to me that king charles keeps pushing this sort of uh net zero agenda you know to the to the degree that the monarch Pushes, pushes anything kind of slowly and subtly. Um, and he, but he's more than willing to touch on it despite it being highly controversial. But he's not willing to touch migration despite it being i would say e- equally controversial and much more kind of salient and important well he, t- he
1: touches it from the wrong direction i mean mm-hmm. he's, he he has openly said that he thinks the rwanda policy the the, the you know the, the the attempt to deter illegal migration by saying you won't actually end up in calais you'll end up in in rwanda he said that he think. what did he say he said that he thought that was deeply unchristian or he said it was it was deeply immoral okay, well, this is a, yeah, so he does speak out on promoted, migration yeah. when it
0: but only from the wrong direction it which tells everything he's in a move. I mean I do worry about that as I say I'm mm. unapologetic about my uh, love of, of monarchy and I think our system is one of the greatest in all of the world mm. um but I do worry about, even even on issues like mental health you know you've got the uh the, the Waleses championing that on behalf of saying you know well look what happened to my you know my mother had mental health issues mm we need to talk more about this stuff I actually worry about the uh, push in society to blame everything on mental health to say Mm. oh well I did that because I've got mental health conditions or oh well I can't do that because I've got mental health conditions we are pushing this onto the next generation to almost convince them that everyone has something that they can Mm, medicalise whether it be gender dysphoria which is ripping through young people because of TikTok and Mm. other platforms like you wouldn't believe and I I don't think that that is divorced from politics in the way in which they do Uh, and equally I think that the net zero issue is even worse in that it is entirely wedded to politics Mm. and economics to such a large degree that the monarch will become the poster boy making Britain colder and poorer mm. and that is a really really perilous journey yes. to place
1: themselves you're right they make the mistake of assuming that these these uh, these moral causes are so inherently right and just that far from being part of politics they sort of tr- they transcend yeah, politics yeah, exactly and therefore you, you, you can't disagree without you know I mean I've, I think I've said before it, it, it they treat the the urgency of net zero or the urgency of you know banging on about mental health as the equivalent of being against kicking babies in the face Mm. it's just it's just something that all decent people support Mm -hmm. and so once you've um once you've moralized the issue to that extent you can um people who want to discuss it are automatically immoral Mm.
0: and it's funny how the diversity of opinion there right Mm. Uh, Mm. he diversified the coronation ceremony to say he was defender of the faiths, not the faith yes despite being a protestant king yes and supreme governor of the church of England sure. to which I belong mm. he doesn't feel that that's controversial mm. but yet he does feel it would be controversial to accept that there would be other opinions on the net zero debate yes than the one he holds <laughs> yes you well, know yeah.
2: well, in a way the kind of supreme value that tr- transcends that all it's, it's a good way to put it harrison would be liberalism you know which as you said it's kind of whether it's the labor of the tories it's just one cheek or the other but you said you kind of you you wanted to to step away from that you wanted to introduce you know a kind of a third option right but you also said in your speech that you didn't want to revert back to the days of Mary, what was what was her name? Mary Whitehouse Mary Whitehouse, yes. who I gather is some sort of, uh, d- deplorable
0: um, Well, I mean, Mary was a f- pretty fierce con- campaigner, I wouldn't have liked to have gone up against her back in the day <laughs> but you know, that on the moral issues, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm liberal in the extent to which, uh I have an interest to claim in that I am a gay man mm. and therefore if we did revert to a Mary Whitehouse era I imagine life would be very different than it is today but I certainly don't think that there's anything controversial in at uh, which I have been accused, I mean so, I, so this is an exclusive for your recording actually Excellent I was out in uh, Newcastle uh, a few weeks ago and I was kicked out of a gay bar, right? And uh, I said, what are you kicking me out for?" I promise, I you know, I had my, I, I wasn't totally <laughs> rat-assed if I can say that on the podcast. Okay. And they speak to me at the door, and I said, "What have I been thrown out for?" And he said, "This this bouncer said we've had accusations that you've been homophobic."
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> and I thought, "Hang on a minute, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got something to tell you." Yeah. And anyway, that, I, I left and I just thought that intolerance, mm. right, that intolerance of any other view they, they preach from the altar of diversity, equality, mm. inclusion, mm-hmm. all of these watchwords of the moment mm-hmm. But when it actually comes to dissent and views from your so-called community of which I don't think exists by the way there is no more a community in the gay community than there is a community in the female community Mm -hmm. right of which 50 what 51 percent of the population Mm. are represented there there is no such thing but they preach from this this altar and it goes back to I said I agreed with Downey Kruger's speech on saying that actually traditional marriage between a man and a woman, having sure. a child important, laudable, we should do more of it couldn't agree more mm. I totally agree we need to actually start producing more families mm. and to do that I'm afraid to say I think we need to build more houses we also need to massively reduce mass migration Absolutely. but for saying that I was dismissed as being some kind of, again, a bigot sure. a fascist, whatever mm. you, you want to throw around there but the Mary Whitehouse comment She would definitely agree with what Danny Kruger said Mm. and as I say, I've got sympathy with that argument I perhaps wouldn't have sympathy with her for saying that you shouldn't ever have homosexuality on television Mm -hmm. or something like that which was what she was campaigning for at the time Mm. and other issues but I certainly have certain sympathies with her and I think if she was to look at society today she'd be absolutely rolling around doing laps in her grave
1: and I think she'd also feel vindicated actually oh well yeah, totally I think think, think she'd feel as though she'd been proven right I mean I I, I agree with you that I I, I don't I I don't want to um, defend every single particular Mary Whitehouse's point of view but I do think that one thing that she was doing in her you know slightly clumsy way was um, making an important distinction which is often neglected in contemporary politics between Tolerance and promotion mm. uh, th- There is every difference in the world between tolerating certain behaviours in the private sphere and actively promoting those behaviours or, or whatever they are they may, they may be something else, they may, ideas, that, you know, thoughts in, 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 in the public sphere and so to, to take it away from a, a very radioactive issue like homosexuality just so that people can see the, the, the principles mm-hmm. at stake rather than getting all emotional about it. not that you were but I'm the bouncers i but, <laughs> but, but the bouncers clearly were maybe um, you know uh in our society we don't really notice them because but but they are tolerated we have there are wicker worshiping pagans who who operate in our society sure. and who you know propagate their views in their own little private sphere but no one in a million years would want w- would expect that just because those perspectives exist that they therefore necessarily need to be promoted by public policy or they need to be promoted in schools or they need to be promoted on television uh, and so what i think mary whitehouse was trying to do in in with respect to things like you know homosexuality and just uh, and uh, she she was trying to say that while we should be socially liberal to the extent that we allow a diversity of lifestyles in the private sphere we should remember and this is what danny krug was talking about as well that there are also certain public mores which need which deserve and warrant propagation in the public sphere Mm. precisely because they reinforce human flourishing and they serve as the bedrock for society in the way that homosexuality doesn't. And, and that is that is the basic point, and, and, and liberals have, confu- have, have co- constantly conflated that distinction that does exist in, 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 in conceptually between promoting something and tolerating it. I'm all in favor of tolerance, but that doesn't
2: mean that you you necessarily promote it. Yeah, but it seems to me that uh, any group of people, whether it's wicker-worshipping pagans or, 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 or gay men or transgender activists or, or, or furries or whoever, right? <laughs> uh, will are very unlikely to settle for tolerance when they could capitalize on the moment and demand celebration. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the, the question that I'd like to, to pose to you, Darren, is uh, I agree that like the two forms of liberalism are not ideal and I would prefer not to go back to the days where gay people aren't allowed on TV yeah. but I don't really know how that needle could possibly be thread because it seems that anybody who's willing to sort of not only do away with these kind of this false binary of, of liberalism, but then vigorously sort of campaign and try to, try to promote uh, a tertiary kind of path mm. is going to be in, you know, characteristically is zealous, essentially. You know what I mean? Like you're just not going to get away from it. You're not going to have somebody who, who rejects, you know, the entire mainstream, yes. but then also has a very sort of like, oh, a, a very agreeable and middle of the road Viewpoint. I don't know how you'll how you'll escape that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it is actually interesting that uh, I guess young people always want to be slightly rebellious, countercultural. I think there will actually be a, a, a movement, a push against a lot of this stuff. I mean, for example, you know, young people. I I wouldn't like to be in a room with one because they don't drink and they don't smoke and they don't do anything fun. So I don't know what the hell they actually do do, but that's countercultural in and of itself True. i think there are pushbacks from these young people to question things a lot more uh, they've had the internet at their fingertips since they were born mm. uh, they have a, a, a wealth of knowledge on all of these issues they're exposed to ideas uh, r- well probably quite wrongly to be honest <coughs> nonetheless they are and i think there there may be a a movement actually that says that well maybe we did actually do some things better in the past mm-hmm. um, and a, a remembrance of, of the inheritance that we I, at least I am probably sounding a little bit Panglossian right now but you know I, I really do hope that that is the case and I think the Poland does suggest that they are becoming a little bit more sceptical than perhaps my generation have been, hmm. which is to drink the Kool-Aid like you wouldn't believe. We're the same age, I still think of myself as young. We're not <laughs> that old. <laughs> I think of myself as ancient. <laughs> I mean, I'm 30 in July. Oof, What okay, can I well, say, get my violin Yeah. Out. Okay, mm. Mm.
2: Um, I mean, well, okay, so your work with Reason then has obviously been reaching out to a lot of young people. But still, I mean, I don't actually think it's... Um... I think people are very invigorated by change, like much like you actually saw in the red wall, like people are willing to go, you know, blue then red and, and back again, just because it's, it's something different. Everybody right now is trying to kind of kickstart history, right? Mm-hmm. Like we thought we were at the end, but really it was just idling. Um, but it's very difficult, obviously, to get young people to sign on to something that will have them be ostracized uh, or thrown out of a, a gay bar up mm-hmm. north, or, or just you know they're constantly um, walking on eggshells they're not yeah, sure yeah, petrified you know, and, and yeah. a lot of people aren't as lucky as you know the three of us have been to kind of have a a space within this and, and have a career based upon it so how do, you, how do you reassure young people that actually if you do uh, come out of the closet I guess we could say <laughs> that, that there, you will kind of survive the ordeal and that there is actually a space for you
0: I because you will never feel better about yourself once you actually do it you will never feel totally complete if you have to constantly hide what it is that you believe I mean it is a bit like being in the closet quite literally uh, you know as, as a gay man yeah. it's not a nice thing to, to be in the closet in any hmm. way, aspect, shape or form it, I think it's incredibly powerful to speak your mind and if we do live in a so-called liberal society well guess what they're supposed to actually respect diversity of opinion Not just diversity on television adverts, and until we actually start to speak out on mass, right? And the Mm. next generation could be the generation that is the tipping point. Then nothing will change, right? You won't. It'll get worse. You won't be able to have an opinion. I mean, we'll all probably be in a camp of some nature, right? Some gulag. Um, and... Good company Yeah, well yeah, yeah it'll yeah. be a good party <laughs> but you know, until people start actually saying enough is enough you know, I, we've got to stand up, I mean people say, people often say Oh Darren, Darren you're so brave for what you say, you're so brave and I think no I'm not hmm. you know, my grandfather was brave hmm. you know, fighting in Korea going down a pace as a hmm. teenager he couldn't even fully extend his arm any longer because he'd been down with a drill Mm. for such extended periods of time that's bravery Mm. right, me saying, well this is what I think, take it or leave it Mm. that's not bravery, come on you can do that too and until we do start to do that there will be absolutely no change and if you are someone that wants to bring about change then that's what you've got to do. That's my clarion call to anyone watching is that if you want to bring about change, you've got to be the change without meaning to sound like mm. Michelle Obama or something <laughs> like that. But it doesn't happen on its own. You've yes. got to be part of it.
2: I think, yeah, I think that's very important. I think it's also one half of the solution. And I think the other half is building practical real life networks for people even if if it's a pub night or or something something that people can actually go to and kind of cling on to and i think that's something that you've you've done well with reasoned and and we're trying to do with the ncf but up until very recently the entire right has been abysmal. Ah, absolutely. Thing. Yeah.
1: It's because we've taken customary institutions for granted yes. and we've expected that they're necessarily going to be <clears throat> our allies but one of the things that we need to do, I completely agree with, with mm. you Evan, is we need to rediscover what Tocqueville called the art of association because this is something that the Conservatives are, are really good at. Like, this is one of the we're, we're not very good at culture wars, like, we, in, in general, we, we need to fight the culture war but we're not very good at it, we, we prefer to treat our institutions as, as places of belonging rather than treating them as battlegrounds. Um, but we are good at, you know, building things, we are good at re- renewal, we're good at um, again what Tocqueville called the Art of Association and you know, you're trying to well, do that I'm at Reason, we're trying to do that at NCF, and, and it's important that w- that we see a flowering of these sorts of uh, distributed networks in this mm-hmm. century and that will be key to, to our
2: victory. Edmund Burke's
1: I mean, platoons. It's, well element.
0: it's true, it's, it's true and outside of, uh, not too far away from where we're recording right now, mm. there was a guy from Joe Politics which oh, is yes. a left-wing yeah. uh, um, media outlet mm. and he said, how do you feel about such and such speaking at this conference with X view? and I said, what sort of narrow mm. world view do you have in which we all have to agree with each other sure. on a platform with goodness only knows how many speakers? Mm. Mm. It's just such a closed-minded, ignorant uh, perspective to take where you can only appear on a stage, if you absolutely agree with every single policy platform mm-hmm. that someone puts forward you don't sit down in a pub and look around and think well actually I know Mary over there doesn't agree with me on X so I'm gonna mm-hmm. walk out of here sod this mm-hmm. it's a it's pathetic frankly um, so, but I think the problem with the right has been the, the, the creed of individualism in saying that, you know, I've got this view, I must champion this and myself Mm. and not being part of something bigger than yourself mm. for a while now. Mm. We've we've let that slip mm. and just sort of thought it'll take care of itself. Absolutely. Well actually it, it hasn't. It's got a lot worse. Mm. Um and I think there's a a, a wake-up call around that and I th- I honestly thought that co- that conference filled my heart with joy because it it felt well, it did feel like a mini community, right? With people actually coming together and saying, "There is a lot at risk here mm-hmm. if we don't bandy together and and actually and fight for it."
1: And, and as you say, the emphasis, um, or as you imply, the emphasis, I said, the emphasis at the conference wasn't that we need to reclaim the individu- individual individual no. rights I mean obviously individual rights in the Anglo-American conservative tradition play an important part in what we're trying to preserve but they're not the whole thing and mm-hmm. um, you know th- th- there is supposed to be a sense of a, an, an intergenerational community to which we're loyal and that doesn't just mean that we have Uh, rights within that community we also have duties to that community Mm -hmm. so it was very encouraging to see conservative MPs and not initially not the most influential ones but conservative MPs on the genuine right of the of the party not the sort of false Jacob Rees-Mogg economic liberal right of the party which we may get to in a minute um, saying you you know you should be having a family you should well you know we should be trying to calibrate social policy such that we are encouraging pronatalism like that's not that's not liberal that's because Mm -hmm. it's not it's not necessarily illiberal but it's 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 saying having babies is a substantive good Mm -hmm. and therefore it's a good that isn't just a a question of personal choice free to choose in milton Friedman's formulation but this is something which should make a claim on individuals and and this this is a form of behavior that people should engage in uh, if we want the social organism to persist through time, and so it's very encouraging, I agree, to see that that individualism isn't the whole part of the conservative creed anymore. I mean, it, it never really was, in uh, but it's, it's it's part of the legacy of Thatcherism, yes. I suppose. And I don't think it's actually something that she herself was guilty of. Yeah. I, I think she thought she saw much of what she was trying to do in the private sector, unleashing the private sector as a as a uh, as a way of. Um, Stimulating a national renewal she was a british patriot through and through mm-hmm. and she cared about communities and the quote she makes about there's no such thing as society is, is, has been wrenched out of context um, but it, nevertheless that legacy that thatcherist legacy has come to characterize the conservative party sure. since then and it's part of the reason why the conservative party is so useless on the issue of migration because if you don't think that there is It might be a slightly pompous way of putting it, but um, I think it's important that conservatives discover the original Greek meaning of the word economy. Mm -hmm. Um, You you need to have a home, oikos, before you discuss the rules, nomos, best suited to its material flourishing. And if you don't have that home in the first place and you just treat it as a sort of, I don't know, an economic... Landing zone, airport lounge. And I, yeah, 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 that's exactly it. It becomes an airport terminal rather than a national home. So it's it's rich in opportunities for consumption, and the individual can can have you know just like, just like when the individuals in an airport lounge, you can you can have this, you can have that. But it, it, there's nothing. Uh, it's, it's a fundamentally uh, alienating and unlovable place. And, and mass m- migration, because it dilutes that sense of we, which is the precondition for any kind of national life. Uh, it necessarily turns a country into something m- much more close to resembling an airport lounge it's than actually, a, than a actually, national
2: home. It's actually worse even than that because it not only dilutes the sense of we against what you might call like the host population, but it actually um, emboldens the sense of we against the, the migrants who, who don't assimilate but instead are ghettoized. So can you, sorry. Can you explain how does it emboldened? Be- because of way? if you're a minority and you're you're just ten of you, you know, with a hundred people unlike you surrounding, you clump together and you mm. uh, you, you bolster each other's viewpoints, right? Like uh, okay. there's even been psychological studies of like people, you know, when they talk to people who uh, agree with them, they don't actually just like stay at the level that they're at. They continue to kind of ratchet up. It's it's a it's a further amplification of their viewpoints. Mm. I mean, this is. Um, not to get on my old hobby horse of Singapore, but this is why they don't let their, uh, this is why they don't allow ghettos in Singapore. It has to be, the country has a multi-ethnicity built into its constitution, mm. and the e- to each neighborhood has to have the same demographic characteristics mm. of the country as a whole to mm. prevent exactly this. Yes, that's, yeah. that's very
1: interesting. That's interesting and
2: uh, yeah. liberals, as I say, economic, this is why
1: I can uh, maybe gone on to Jacob Rees-Mogna, who I uh, initially, who, who I once had reasonably high hopes for because he did, I, I did believe in the image he presents as a sort of eighteenth-century high Tory, and I thought <laughs> that, that I thought that, that I thought that might have some um, you know I thought that might be reasonably genuine, but um, yet yeah, l- economic liberals in, in the cast of Jacob Rees-Mogg are completely indifferent to those sorts of questions because they think that you know all we really need is a you know a, 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 an imaginative raft of tax cuts, deregulation, and free trade, and then everything will be brilliant. Um, and uh, I- of course, that's not the case. And I think it was I- I- extremely telling. Jacob Rees-Mogg at this NatCon conference that we were all at recently, gentlemen, um, he, he took issue with Rishi Sunak, um, but the, the, the broken promise which he had to go at Sunak for uh, wasn't—I didn't have anything to do with immigration. It was the fact that Rishi, Rishi Sunak had, fa- had, re- had refused to throw as many EU regulations on the bonfire as Jacob Rees-Mogg had wanted to see thrown on the bonfire. I, I'm all in favour of throwing obstructive red tape on the bonfire where necessary i'm not attached to that but i think it tells you everything you need to know about the alleged right of the conservative party that people like jacob rees smog are more um, angry about that than he is about boris johnson's refusal not only unwillingness but his refusal to control the borders and in fact johnson presided over one of the most liberal uh, migration systems in, well, the, in the world Yes, I mean against uh, against his uh, ma- manifesto promise in 2019, is that
0: not so true? I Yes, I agree, I agree but uh, what I would say on the Jacob point is mm-hmm. that I think Jacob is trying to highlight something there without explicitly saying so mm-hmm. not that I can speak on behalf of Jacob Rees-Mogg, he's perfectly capable of forming his own sentences much more eloquently <laughs> than I am but he's highlighting the fact that the government aren't able Mm. to have this bonfire of EU legislation to actually uh, try and tailor make some of these pieces of law to suit the domestic market more than the European market and there's a reason for that, that's quite simple, we've signed up to this Windsor framework, the renegotiation of the Northern Ireland Protocol, now that means that as soon as we start to tear up EU legislation to, di- on to, di- a to diverge
1: from the regulatory framework, then we diverge from
0: a part of the United Kingdom, right? Northern great Ireland, Britain diverts, yeah. diverges rather from a part of the United Kingdom. Yeah, a part which, you know, I, I actually would argue that I feel a, a great sense of affinity with Northern Ireland, not in a sort of parody. Biden type way where, <laughs> you know, where he has this full relationship where <laughs> he says oh my Irish roots and it's I th- Yeah, it's Sod off, Biden, <laughs> right? You were, you were uh, what, 300 years ago now? <laughs> um, and, well he goes on like he's 300 years old but <laughs> that's, differ. that's by the by. but I think that's what Jacob's trying to highlight Yeah and I worry that because we haven't taken this opportunity that actually it's gonna be very easy for the Labour Party to say, right, let's do what Norway did, and we'll hitch our wagon to the EU single market without actually, you know, a, a kind of association agreement mm. with the European Union in which they get everything they want, mm. but then you can kiss goodbye to any kind of migration control because they just wouldn't let that happen.
1: No, I, I, I. I I I tried to make a point of saying that it's not that I that I disagree with Jacob Rees-Mogg on principle here, I think that those are real problems that you throw up and and again as I say I'm I'm in favour of getting rid of obstructive regulations where necessary particularly when they emanate from Brussels and not from our own parliament, Um, but it's a question of emphasis and I think it tells you a lot that because Jacob Rees-Mogg let's be honest was a a pretty reliable hero worshipper of Boris Johnson and doesn't like Rishi Sunak, Mm -hmm. he's focusing on this small broken promise of Rishi Sunak's rather than the much larger one to do with migration. I mean, what is worse? P- refusal to, to throw EU regulation on the bonfire such that the country is likely to be poorer, which is the, the, the net result of Rishi Sunak's broken promise, or uh, immigration rates, which are destined on current trends to turn the people of this country at great cost and without a shred of democratic cons- consent, in fact, in the teeth of um, the democratic will, uh, into a minority in their own country. It seems to me that the latter one is, is, is far more of a, a, a cultural emergency and so it tells you everything you need to know about Rhys Mogg, that his focus is on how can we deregulate more Well I mean
0: maybe Re Mogg is someone that likes to have his cake and eat this, yeah. right? Maybe he wants both and I don't see why we can't well what,
1: both. Well, no, we, we certainly can but, but, but he, he hero worshipped a Prime Minister who was committed to the proposition that, well not only committed to the proposition but committed to the policy that we wouldn't because as I say... Boris Johnson ma- massively liberalised our immigration laws, which is why I mean we're filming this on I think Wednesday, I think tomorrow or this will go out on Thursday, but um, oh, yeah, we'll tomorrow we, down, we will yeah. get figures on net yeah. migration yeah. and, yeah. and, yeah. and like, defi- yeah. Johnson has played a huge role in that burgeoning of immigration
0: what, Seven to 800 yeah. is what I mean so I mean
1: why is he, why is he not, I mean I, I'm all for going after Sunak where necessary I'm all for you know bad-mouthing Cameron where necessary, I'm all for you know criticizing Theresa May and Jacob G- Rees-Mogg has done all these things but conspicuously he's left out any criticism for Johnson I think that Johnson's broken promise is the worst of all mm. and so to tell this, uh, this is the point it's, yes. a, it's a question of emphasis rather than I disagree with Rees-Mogg and every jot and tittle maybe he is a restrictionist on migration but he's here the a Premier who who certainly has not been
0: Yes, yeah, well I mean I would argue that there are some people that supported Rishi Sunak who have championing a reduction in immigration mm. who are also guilty of that, right? Yes.
1: Who, who are you talking about? Uh, well,
0: I mean there'd be a fair few mm. off the top of my head, I mean from my neck of the woods mm. a big Chiel. he's not from my neck of the woods but he's the Member of Parliament from where I was born mm. which is North West Durham which is changing under the boundary reforms I can't think of what it's going to be called but anyway uh, Richard Holden is a big champion of, of uh, Rishi Sunak, Minister now
2: yeah.
0: uh, there are others like him and you know, their constituents, I know for a fact want to reduce mm. net migration to this country now, you can't say Rishi Sunak has been a champion of that because we've done naff all in that department, right? the yes. square root of sod all so in fact, I mean, I've never—it's—we've never known anything yeah. like it, right? Yeah. People vote. I just—it's—it's it's the. Frankly, I think a lot of voters think that they're—they're they're having the Mickey taken out of them.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, does that travel to? Yeah, yeah, we have that in Canada. <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Uh, there's gonna be real anger I mean Nigel was called out uh, Farage, sorry, mm-hmm. I was speaking about him like you know um, he's a, Well he's a colleague of his? Well he's like everyone watching colleague of colli- Yes, colli- yes. yes. Yeah. My Nigel mm. um He said that you're gonna see the return yes. of the British National Party, Nick Griffins of the world mm. because people feel so utterly disillusioned they feel enraged with contempt mm for the people that promised them the earth and delivered absolutely nothing and disillusioned with politics, the establishment class in general sure. you can't get anything done cos the civil service is against ministers like Suella Braverman who I think is genuinely trying I, I do too. to bring about I do, I do change That's so
2: they're going after her for the speeding tickets Well exactly,
0: yeah. yeah, they're desperate to get rid of her and you think well, what can I do now? Mm. Right, and that's we're not the sort of country like France that's going to get people out onto the streets. Well, we will see. I like suppose. the gilets jaunes yeah, but gilets jaunes, yeah. um,
1: well, let me ask you very quickly, though, just to, just to finish up, because we're, alas, we're running out of time. I could do this all day. Um, what do you think it will take to elect- re-electrify the Red Wall voters, so to speak, but in but in a positive way rather than in a you know Nick Griffin demagogic way?
0: I uh, well, I actually think that we've got to have politicians that actually care about genuinely delivering for those areas, I think it's not clear to me that Boris was particularly Mm. serious about that Mm. Um, I mean you've just set out very clearly why that's Mm. the case Mm. but I, um, I think you've got to start talking about things like I mean, Joran has only in his um, original remarks Oh sorry We've L- got L- his book. The uh, yeah, yeah Well companies. in his original, original remarks at the well actually he he probably does make a similar argument but they uh, it, at the start of the conference he started talking about doing things for the British people, the British state, the British nation uh, and I, I'm afraid that does have to do away with a bit of the free market dogma like for example mm-hmm. I would be all for a form of protectionism that protects the Nissan plant in Sunderland, which is a massive employer in the northeast of England. If we don't, if we start losing, the you you cannot under um, well overestimate or overstate. I think the importance of people, especially men, but women who have the men come home to them as well who ha- feel like they have purchase over their lives, who who are proud to make things with their own hands they feel a, a real important self, a, well sense of self The dignity of labour Absolutely yeah. and we've lost that Absolutely uh, and that's been incredibly profound
1: mm.
0: Now, uh, I know there's a, a labour lever in this very room that we're with today and I'm starting to sound like one mm. but I think it's incredibly important that people feel it hasn't all been for nothing mm. and we can't just become a nation that is basically bankrolled by finance in London mm. we've got to actually be a bit more robust and uh, defending the national interest and I think we've been utterly supine in doing that so far
1: mm. Well thank you very much Dan. you've brought some some insight and, and some inim- inimitable Northeastern charm to the, <laughs> to, the, to the programme, Evan thanks as ever Of okay. course Uh, You've been watching Deprogrammed. We shall see you next week.
3: Hello, if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free, just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.